Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hits! Browns are going to win! Bayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. fans now cover two a podcast on the cleveland browns hey everybody welcome back to the cover two podcast here from the beacon journal this is dan kadar joined as always by browns beat writer nate ulrich nate how have you been hanging in there dan how are you very good uh we haven't had one of these in a while because we've had some Weird scheduling stuff, furloughs here at uh, Gannett, but be that as it may, we're back here to talk about the Browns. There's a lot of stuff going on in the news cycle regarding the team right now. Most recently, as we record this on uh, Tuesday, a little after 1.30, uh, the, the word is out the Browns are restructured defensive end Olivier Vernon's contract. And Nate, your headline right on this says... That also means they won't sign Jadavian Clowney. To be honest with you, that's the more interesting part of the story. Um, explain why why they probably will not sign Clowney now. Well, I've been saying all along that it was either Vernon or Clowney, and if they signed Clowney, that they were going to get rid of Vernon. And restructuring with Vernon just means they're recommitting to him that they've essentially expressed this interest in Clowney. Uh, you know, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported they actually made Clowney the biggest offer he's received since free agency started in March. It really hasn't gone anywhere. He's, he's you know, on the market, unsigned. Um, and yeah, He recently told NFL reporter Josina Anderson that he hadn't narrowed it down to a final team and, he, you know, it was open. So, that means despite the Browns putting the best offer on the table, he did not accept it, and he was open to, you know, wherever, really. So I, I think that this Vernon recommitment says that the Browns were able to get this done with him and are just kind of moving forward without Clowney uh, in the plans. Is there some kind of very minuscule chance that Clowney would want to do a one-year prove-a-deal with the Browns uh, for a modest salary? I mean, I don't see that as realistic. It's 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 doubtful that he's in the cards now. Uh, this Vernon uh, deal means the Browns are ready to roll with with him and Miles Garrett as they're starting defensive ends for another season. Um, 
I think that they have reason to have faith in that tandem. I think they have reason to give that tandem a mulligan. Obviously, they're extenuating circumstances last year. Vernon was only healthy for half the season. Uh, he played in 10 games, but he's only healthy in eight of them because of the sprained knee that he had against the Broncos in week eight. And obviously, Miles Garrett's season was cut short by suspension. Missed the final six games. So those guys really never were able to live up to all the hype because of some of the factors involved. And that defensive line never became the strength of the team that Freddie Kitchens thought it would be. Yeah, and and really, I here's what I kind of wonder about this move beyond the Vernon and Clowney part of it is are we about to see a big Miles Garrett contract extension? You know, they... The day before we started recording this, the Chiefs gave a gigantic 10-year deal to Patrick Mahomes, who is part of the same draft class as Miles Garrett. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, the running back who has taken 8th overall in the same draft, is now the highest-paid running back in the NFL by the Carolina Panthers. The Browns have a ton of money under the cap right now. I, I don't know off the top of my head what it's like going forward. But, Nate, are we about to see Miles Garrett become the highest-paid defensive player in NFL history? And, and for context for that, that would be you know, upwards of $24 million a year. Um, a lot of the big defensive contracts have been six years. Like I said, Mahomes just got 10. I don't know if Miles Garrett would ever get a 10-year deal from the Cleveland Browns, but do you think we're, we're about to see a big Miles Garrett contract? Well, they've been talking about it since at least May. Uh, the Browns and, and um, Miles Garrett's camp, Miles Garrett's agent, Bus Coat, also the agent of Jadavian Clowney. So I don't know how close they are. I don't know if this means they're on the doorstep of that, but I know that Andrew Barry has been very clear that uh, he wants Miles Garrett to be a, a long term member of the Browns. He views him as a key piece to the Browns' future. So it. I definitely expect this to get done. I just don't know on the, on the timeline. Um, wouldn't be surprised if it happened soon. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if it took a while. So I, I can't say one way or another on that right now, Dan. But I do know that they've been talking. Uh, you know, they picked up that fifth-year option in, in April. In late April, they made that decision. And they've been, they've been talking. Um, like I said, the first time I heard about it was May. So it could have been before that, but since at least May, this has been going on. And Khalil Mack at $23.5 million has the record for the highest average annual salary of a non-quarterback. And I would expect Miles Garrett to surpass that. So that's just the nature of it, right? I mean, the the next big name guy to sign is the one who sets the record. And, and, um, you know, I, I think that, the Browns uh, are, 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 are deep into long-term roster strategy under Paul D. Podesta and Andrew Barry, and they're they're smart guys. They're aware that Joey Bosa, um, you know, is a contract that they would like to get ahead of in, in when it comes to Miles Garrett. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's on the horizon, but I just don't know if we're, we're at the doorstep yet, Dan. But but. I don't know how much all of that really matters. The bottom line is it's something that 
everybody involved expects to get done. Yeah, well, I, I just think they they have a little bit more money now. So if they if they wanted to have some leftover for something, the Vernon restructure allows them to do that. If they do give Miles Garrett a big contract, you know, because then they they could re, they could be considering a Larry Ogunjobi contract too. He's up after this season, but you know, be, beyond Garrett from that 20, 2017 draft, you have tight end David Njoku who. Got a new agent in Drew Rosenhaus. And Drew Rosenhaus is very well known for uh, getting his guys traded and, and getting his guys contracts. He, he did the trade part of that with Duke Johnson from the Browns last year. Um, so now we here we are with David and Joku. The Browns are hot off signing Austin Cooper uh, to a big contract in free agency. They drafted Harrison Bryant, who I think is a a pretty good tight end who is certainly worthy of a, a roster spot, not somebody you can stash on a practice squad. Uh, we, we've talked before about Njoku, Nate, that we, we kind of thought he was entering a prove-it year. And it still is, but what's your assessment on David Njoku wanting a trade and the Browns saying we want to keep him? It was weird. It was, it's a weird request because he really did get new life with this organization. And he was in the doghouse last year. We've talked about it, right? I mean, Freddie Kitchens and, and, and David Njoku were not going to coexist for another season. Um, so I, I just don't think he was going to be around. If, if Freddie stayed, obviously, with Freddie and fired, Kevin Stefanski coming in. John Dorsey agreeing with the owners to leave after he declined the diminished role they offered him and, and Andrew Barry coming in as GM. Barry and Stefanski gave David Njoku new life. And, you know, they praised him. They said, we think this guy can be a really good player. You know, let's not forget, Dan, who was there in 2017 when the Browns traded up to pick him late in the first round, 29th overall, was Andrew Barry, the VP of player personnel, the chief talent evaluator at the time, because Sashi Brown did not have a traditional scouting background, so they, they were leaning on a young Andrew Berry for that. So, Andrew Berry was a, a David Njoku believer, and Andrew Berry not only was praising David Njoku and saying he thinks he can be, you know, a really good player and part of the future, he backed up those words by, by exercising the fifth year option along with Miles Garrett that I mentioned earlier in late April. So, it's really interesting that this happened. I mean, David Njoku has not made a comment about why he had, he's requested this trade. You know, I've reached out to, to David Njoku, to, to his agent Drew Rosenhaus, and haven't got any explanation. I, you know, I know the trade request was made, but I have... I, I would like to hear an explanation. Now, on the surface, from the outside looking in, we know that the Browns set a tight end uh, free agency record by signing Austin Hooper, two-time Pro Bowler with the Atlanta Falcons, four years, $42 million. So he comes in as the guy in the tight end room. But we talked about this too. Kevin Stefanski is the Vikings coordinator. used two tight end sets 57% of the time. So... There's a clear role for David Njoku as 
a prominent member of the offense. I know they drafted Harrison Bryant in the fourth round. They really like him. And I don't think they plan on, tra- on drafting a tight end necessarily, but they just really liked Harrison Bryant. Were su- they were surprised he was there for them in the fourth round, so they picked him, which is what you're supposed to do, right? So I just don't know if that was it for David Njoku because, like, I understand that he probably has a confidence that, you know, he's a number one tight end, and with Austin Hooper coming in, he's not going to be that. But I still think that there's a really, you know, big role for him to get back on track after a lost season in 2019. I think there was that opportunity for him. So it's interesting to see him forego that or try or ask to be given a chance to forego that, to, to go elsewhere. So I don't know. I'm uh, kind of a little puzzled by it. I'm, there certainly could be more to it. David Njoku just hasn't said. So, you know, we can only kind of uh, glean so much from the situation without hearing him explain it. But I don't know. I, I, I think that everything that the Browns said about him is true, that they, they view him as a key piece. And I don't think this changes that. Andrew Berry doesn't want to trade him. He very well might trade him. He, re, he very well might grant his request to be moved. Uh, you know, last year the Browns were, were pretty adamant publicly that they weren't going to trade Duke Johnson but I kept telling you that I thought they were going to and then ultimately you know a little more than a month after Duke Johnson hired Drew Rosenhaus amid his trade request the trade request had already been made and Duke Johnson made that change in agents a little more than a month later on August 8th John Dorsey and did uh, John Dorsey indeed did trade Duke Johnson to the Houston Texans so Obviously, Rosenhaus is good at what he does, and he's good at getting his clients what they want. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if David Njoku is traded. But, you know, the Browns would prefer not to. I think they backed up their words about David Njoku with actions with that fifth-year option. So um, it, it, it's interesting. I was, I was surprised by it. I, I, a lot of these things happened in you could say okay yeah that makes sense we could see that coming we kind of forecasted that on a podcast previously you know that's always nice when that happens you know sometimes we can say that but with this one i did i didn't think he was gonna ask out i mean does he view harrison bryan as a threat to be that other tight end 57 percent of the time david and jokes to be thrown that chart i mean maybe but if you're a confident guy and think you're really a number one tight end, you should be able to think you should be the number two, especially in a, in a weird off season where the rookies aren't able to get on the field until training camp at, at the earliest because of the pandemic. So it's going to be hard for any of them to, to beat out a veteran. So I don't know. It, I, I'm still puzzled by it, Dan. Yeah, it's a little weird to me too. I mean, because we've also talked about in the past who is the number three wide receiver for the Browns. So... To me, there there's a lot of opportunity there for a guy like Njoku, who theoretically has a better rapport with Baker Mayfield on the field, um, just because he's a tight end and people classify you know tight end usage a certain way. I I don't know. I, I think that number would at least be fifty seven percent if the Browns had all three of them. Um, but it, it it's a little weird, and I I just wonder now what the Browns would 
hope to get for him if, if they do trade him because you just saw Rob Gronkowski, obviously a completely different situation and what was happening there. The Patriots got a fourth-round pick for him. Would the Browns be content with a fourth-round pick? I'm not so sure. I mean, you you got a guy who is still 23, and while he's been extremely inconsistent, you you see flashes of a very good player there with Njoku. So, I don't know, man. That That's a weird one. I, I don't think it's certainly the last we've heard of of what's going to happen with him, obviously. Um, it, that, that's interesting. I agree with you, though. It's, it's a little surprising. Yeah, and I can't imagine them getting more than right. a fourth-round pick for him right now. And I, I don't think that Andrew Barry would consider that good value. You know, I think he, I think he picked up his fifth-year option because he thinks he can really be a legitimate player still. And last year was a a lost season that I'm I'm thinking that Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, and the new regime kind of chalk up to just kind of the dysfunction, the, the lack of discipline, lack of maturity, uh, lack of organization, lack of structure that was the Browns under Freddie Kitchen. I mean, they brought Rashard Higgins back too. He was another doghouse guy. Right. So, you know, I think that they gave a lot of these players that that, that chance for redemption thinking that it was just a bad situation for him last year and that they're going to have the right environment and atmosphere under Kevin Stefanski to be the players that they, they think they can be. So just it's just really weird. And, you know, I, I, I will be interested to see. We saw, obviously, Drew Rosenhaus get what he wanted, get what Duke Johnson wanted from John Dorsey. And here we are again. It's. I mean, it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like David Joku followed Duke Johnson's lead to a T. I mean, Duke Johnson hired Drew Rosenhaus last July, July 2019, and was gone by August 8th. This July, David Joku switches agents to Drew Rosenhaus, and, and the motivation behind it is to get out, just like Duke Johnson. Um, I just find it really interesting. It's almost like David Njoku saw this work for a teammate and friend last year, thought, I need to get out of Cleveland. I better hire Drew Rosenhaus. So uh, really interested to see how Andrew Barry, as the youngest GM in NFL history, first year on the job, handles this with the sports, you know, highest powered agent making this request. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's, I guess the Rosenhaus part of it's not totally shocking. I'm sure Duke Johnson and David and Joker are pretty close. They're both Miami guys, and Drew Rosenhaus is a Miami guy. Um, so there, there's probably a lot of connective tissue there. So we'll we'll see what happens. I, yeah, go ahead. I'm not I'm not saying this happened, Dan. Sure. I'm not, but sometimes we toss around theories on a podcast that I will ne- not necessarily report in the paper. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but would you be surprised at all if one day we found out that David Njoku said in a conversation to Duke Johnson, you know, you got out and I really want to do the same. And Duke Johnson said, again, this is just fantasy. I'm just throwing this out there as a sure. 
would you would you be surprised you know, Duke Johnson said well you know Drew Rosenhaus is really good at that <laughs> you know I mean right yeah <laughs> It, it, it wouldn't be surprising is all I'm saying. Right. I, I agree completely. There's there's a lot of connection there. So uh, last thing on, on our podcast here today on Cover 2, and find all of Nate's stuff over at beaconjournal.com slash browns. But three weeks from now, training camp is scheduled to start. Um, I don't really want to get into a um, coronavirus discussion that heavily. I just have a hard time seeing that happening with with camp starting on the 28th well what's your early impression now um based on i don't know what jc treader had to say of course and just in general do you think we're really going to have training camp in three weeks i've been skeptical for a while um with the reopenings of states kind of backfiring recently and, you know, Arizona, California having to pull back. Um, that's what made me start to think, you know, veterans are supposed to report July 28th. Mm, I'm a little skeptical it's actually going to happen then. So we'll see. I have no idea what decisions are going to be made, but that did give me pause just looking around the country, reading all the reports, what's going on with the virus, the numbers, uh, that are out there. And, um, just JC Treader continuing to reinforce that the players are not comfortable right now. And the league has not made them comfortable again today before we recorded on JC Treader, um, wrote a column on the NFLPA's website where he outlined that, you know, the, the in his view and the union's view, the league is just not meeting them um, as union representatives uh, to the extent that they want to be met on these coronavirus issues. So, that's kind of where it is, Dan. I mean, this thing's very fluid, um, but right now, the, the players and the league have not agreed on what this is going to look like and, and and how this is all going to unfold here. Yeah, it, it to me, it, it's murky at best, especially when you know you're you're to get baseball and basketball back before the NFL and. I would assume the NFL will be closely monitoring how those two do, and there are questions about both of them now. So, I, I think there, there's going to be a lot of a lot of coverage of will we get NFL period, whether it's training camp in three weeks or a season or preseason, anything really. So that that's all going to start coming hot and fast, I think. Um, but we'll see. We, we've mentioned before it's it's pretty neat that J.C. Treader, a Browns player, is the NFLPA president, so Nate has extra work to do now covering yeah. the things he says, but... Uh, there, there's but they're, good, yeah. they're important. They're yep. important things, and, and it's like almost like, hey, when you guys watch NFL Network and they say, well, training camp's going to start on July 28th. Well, hang on. That league says training camp is going to start on July 28th. Right. And the league says the CBA allows it 
to say training camp is going to start on July 28th. But don't believe anything until J.C. Treader says it. Because if J.C. Treader's not saying it, the players haven't agreed, and the two sides haven't locked in on when this is going to start or how it's going to go. So <laughs> I've seen there's been a lot of stuff in recent weeks that come out on TV, come out on Twitter, come out in stories online. But you just gotta you gotta remind yourself that there's two sides of this, and nothing's starting unless the players are showing up, and the players aren't showing up unless J.C. Treader says we're comfortable with them showing up as the leaders of the union. Right, and that that's especially true given you know like in baseball we've seen players opting out of the season. Well, NFL, what, you know, what happens if NFL players do? We have no idea what any of those kind of details are. You know, we have no idea what a modified schedule would look like beyond the preseason. Um, so there, there are a ton of questions to be answered, and none of them are even as important as how you stop two linemen who are in front of each other from, you know, Getting, getting bodily fluids all over each other and potentially getting groups of people sick. So it, it's really strange. Um, but like I said, we'll, we'll have coverage of it all uh, through, the, through the mouth of the NFLPA president. So stay tuned for that on the Beacon Journal's website, beaconjournal.com slash browns. That is going to do it for our podcast this week. Uh, hopefully we'll get back to you soon. I am off all next week, but maybe after that we'll, we'll see what's going on in the news. But that's going to do it for our podcast today. Make sure you're following Nate on Twitter. He's at by Nate Ulrich. You can read him in the Beacon Journal and many more publications across the Gannett Network. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time.